All right, welcome to, we're going to call this episode one. Episode one. Of the Discipline of the Gens podcast, where we cover all things sports betting, as well as answering your questions. So today, we're actually recording from our new studio here in South Florida, and we have a ton of different topics to go over. Palm Beach in the house. So before we even get into that, how about them Golden State Warriors? Oh, man, where do I start with my dubs? So if I if I had to say in hindsight that I'm surprised that they won, it wouldn't even be accurate. It's right. Like we had the core three back and we had wing and step up. He became, the, you know, he became what people thought the one overall pick should be. But if I had to sum the season up, uh, it just feels good to not see them break apart, get split up, going through all those injuries. Um, so what was, what was your legitimate confidence level? One to 10 when they were down two one. One to ten is a hard number for me. I, let me say I still had six out of ten. I was still betting the series uh, even after they dropped two one. I don't really get nervous just because they've been there so many times until we have three losses. Bro, when they were down two one, I put out a video. It's now gone off of TikTok because TikTok are some assholes. <laughs> but I literally put out a video and said the Golden State Warriors you could take right now at a game and a half, getting a game and a half. That was absolutely incredible to me that they were plus a game and a half at any point in that series. And that was like minus 110, right? Yeah, it was like even. Yeah, it was like yeah. close to even money. It was absolutely incredible. And, you know, once they made it 2-2, I think it shifted back where Boston was getting a game and a half, but then that was like minus 170 or something. But very, very impressive run. They were very poised. Um, now I think there's a lot of questions like who do you pay in the offseason? You know, Wiggins played tremendously well. Jordan Poole is like the next Splash brother. You got a lot of young talent on the bench as well. So many, so many questions, and it's I guess it's a good problem to have for your GM. Yeah, I agree. So this is going to piss off a lot of people, but I, I think Clay has to go. It, it hurts me to say it because he's a part of all four. And the heart that he gave, I don't know if people can go back in time, the heart that he gave when he tore that, MCL or ACL and he went out and still shot the free throws and made them both I, I won't forget that it's just now with age and his price maybe he comes down if he's willing to come down a little bit um I mean you're playing alongside Steph Curry who's probably the most selfless superstar of all time so I think Clay's going to work with them when it comes to his contract okay. um or, or restructuring it if you will but I just can never see them m moving on from him because, like, the whole culture in Golden State, like, between Steph and Clay and what they've built and then Draymond. But there's definitely going to be some decisions in the offseason. So, with that said, right now, who is your pick, bias aside, to win it all next season for the NBA Finals? And I know the Finals just ended yesterday, but let's go over some of these odds let's see i was gonna say let, um, let me As give you a right value now. play all right i'm gonna i'm gonna read off to get started here um what some of the top the top odds are the, or the, let's go with some of the favorites here so your golden state warriors right now are the favorite for next season at plus 550 and the celtics are the next favorite at plus 650 then you have the brooklyn nets at seven to one the clippers at seven and a half to one the bucks at eight to one suns at nine to one Mavs and Nuggets at 14 to 1 and Grizzlies and Heat and 76ers at 14 to 1 and then you have the long shot teams like Los Angeles at 22 to 1 Pelicans at 40 to 1 Jazz 40 to 1 does anything jump off the, the the chart to you here as far as a value play 
I'll do a process of elimination. Uh, I know people want the exact play, but let me just give me a minute here. I would immediately, for a value perspective, eliminate the Warriors and Celtics. Not that they can't do it, but just that we all have short-term memories. The, the value's not there. You'll be able to get both the Warriors and Celtics at greater odds than that after like a cold run during the season. So I immediately knock off those two. Um, I <laughs> It's hard. The Nets got swept, so it's like that's that's in everyone's mind. I don't think they have what it takes. That said, I think they're going to sign some big checks to make a run at it. If I had to make one one play, I would say Bucks at plus eight hundred, eight to one has a lot of value in it, and Suns at nine to one. I, I hate to be in that tier, but the Bucks were my pick at like around eight to one, like halfway through the postseason. They were still getting good value, and honestly, I think it would have been Bucks Warriors if Middleton doesn't go down. I really do. It would have been a very close series between. I completely agree. You know, so I, I the thing that jumps off the chart to me here is is definitely the Grizzlies at fourteen to one. I don't know if they'll be able to get it done, but I think if you're just playing in the, the number here, fourteen to one to me is is probably the most attractive thing I see on there. I mean, the Lakers, <laughs> who knows what they're gonna do? You love um, your Sixers. I hate the Sixers, bro. <laughs> I, I, I know. I know. I, I like know. the Eagles. I know. Philadelphia Eagles, Jalen Hurts for MVP this season, but that's another story. We'll, we'll get there. We'll, get, we'll there. get there. But I don't believe in the 76ers. I truthfully don't. Um, I think that Embiid is an incredible talent, but I don't trust him to stay healthy over his career, and I don't trust him to put enough pieces around him. But anyways, I do like the Grizzlies at 14-1. to um, I, I, I would say the Sixers at 14-1 I'd say the Heat, have, the heat have value because – if they get Oladipo, next thing you know, they're a legit. I mean, they're already a contender. If they get Oladipo or uh, no Donovan Mitchell. Oh, they're going after Donovan. Mitchell. They're trying to get Utah. Donovan Mitchell. Uh, oh. I don't know, but they're if they can get a legit shooting guard, like they're the real deal. And if Tyler Hero can step up and become a starter, you Bounce never back. know. So no, I agree. But all right, let's move on from that. Our next topic: NFL Super Bowl. Your pick to win the title this season. So right now, the Buffalo Bills are the favorite at six and a half to one. Tampa Bay Bucks are the next favorite at seven and a half to one. Then we have the Chiefs at nine to one, the Packers at eleven to one, Rams at eleven to one, and then 49ers at fourteen to one, Cowboys at sixteen to one. And then we any team that sticks out to you here. This breaks my heart to say. Do you know who's jumping out at me? Breaks my heart. Hold on, give me a second. Nine to one. Chiefs. I think the Chiefs made some damn good offseason moves. I think they drafted well. Obviously, losing Cheetah doesn't help, but they picked up Juju. I, I hate to say it. I actually think the Chiefs are the team to beat. That That's what I think. I think this is backward. The Bills have such a, the mafia is so allegiant that they're like, we can't do it again. We can't fall short again. So everyone's overbetting it. And I, I don't know. I wasn't thoroughly impressed with the Buccaneers. I I thought the the Niners. I was cheering for the Bucks over the Rams because I thought the Niners would have steamrolled. Yeah, I won't be surprised if the Buccaneers stumble out of the out of the gate here the first few games, like maybe like a one and two start. I haven't looked at their schedule, but just with the lack of continuity in the off season and the Brady retiring and then coming back, and I won't be surprised if they stumble out the gate here. I'm really high on the Buffalo Bills. I don't really like the value at six and a half to one, but I do think they're going to represent the AFC. I just think they're the most loaded team in the NFL this season. And then I got to tell you with my bias, the Niners at 14 to one, it has, it, it doesn't have value. <laughs> I won't say it has value. That's the wrong word, but I will say if Trey day comes out and is the 
physical talent that they expected him to be, well-rested, developing, steps up. Little to no experience at that at a highly competitive level, so big wild card. They are a team that could scare some people, like in the first three weeks, come out 3-0, and just smacking people in the mouth, and they drop instantly, so... Yeah, but that's my bias. I, I won't. I won't say value. There. No, I, I agree because in the NFL, I love taking teams that have quarterbacks on a on a small deal that have upside, and then they sprinkle their money across the rest of the team because they're able to because they're not paying a, a QB max money. So I I love NFL teams that I think can make a run in that position, especially if they're like a wild card team, and uh, and they just have a really good overall team and a QB on a small deal that has that Russian upside or it can develop over the course of the season, I do think um, they have a chance for sure. What else we got? So is there a, is there a sleeper pick for you? Or that, I'm assuming yeah. that was your sleeper pick no, there. No, no, no. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call my Niners my sleeper. I, I'd say Chiefs, for the value, they should be the team to beat. 9-1 to one is too rich. If, if I'm looking at a sleeper team. I think the Colts are a big sleeper team. I, I, I've never been too high on Matt Ryan, but he's always been a good dome quarterback and you have jonathan taylor there and i think the, the colts are a sleeper for sure 25 to 1 i would play the number there so for me there's actually a really good statistic anyone that wants to out, run out there and do it themselves the division that loses the super bowl there's a high it doesn't happen every year but there's a higher probability that a team from that division gets back there so i don't like the uncertainty with the browns i, I would say the ravens at 20 to 1 Get back to what they were. They're always there. They're always competitive. If if you if I had to say a sleeper, twenty to one is pretty juicy. Yeah, pretty, pretty sweet. What about my Philadelphia Eagles at twenty eight to one? Is that worth the sprinkle? It's absolutely because they the can win the division, the NFC least, right? If they at least win the division, then you hedge betters out there can at least take the opposite team. I, <laughs> I, I think it's worth the sprinkle. It. Yeah, yeah, your your boys. They're gonna have. Well. Mark my words, this season, Jalen Hurts is going to break the quarterback Russian record of all time this season. Really? You can't think about their personnel now. You got A.J. Brown on the outside. Yeah, yeah. You got a great run game. You know, is Jalen is the best passer in the league? Of course not. But if you can have these misdirections and these, these halfback tosses and Jalen Hurts play action, rollouts, and I'm telling you, I, you know, bias aside, I truly believe their offense has the potential to be special this year, and it's going to come down. And then Nick Sirianni, another year with the with the with the team. There's more continuity. Jalen Hurts is going to work his ass off in the offseason, and I think they're going to going going back in time a little bit. Uh, for anyone out there that knows how short Maddie and I have known each other, we actually met on TikTok during the Niners Philly game that week. You uh, you helped me get a lot of people on bet openly. I appreciate that. <laughs> you were basically talking about all the value on Philly, and I said I'll take any bet, any bet on Philly. And, and I I mean this to this day, Philly should have won that game, bro. I got so much heat for that game, and people won that game. people could not admit that the Eagles should have won or should've at least won been that in that game because I think it was Jalen Rigger, one of them, one of the receiver, one of the receivers stepped out of bounds on a TD pass. It changed the whole momentum of the game. We stopped them on fourth down on the on the goal line. Yeah, it changed everything. Everything. It changed everything, but hey, it's I'm telling you, mark my words, Eagles are going to make a run this year. We'll, we'll get into that here shortly. So let's get into NFL MVP. Uh, so I'm going to pull those up now. So right now, Josh Allen is the favorite, as he should be, as the Bills are the favorite to win to win the Super Bowl. And you got Patty Mahomes at eight to one. 
Tom Brady eight to one, Aaron Rodgers nine to one, Herbert nine to one, Joe Burrow twelve to one, Stafford and Prescott and Russell Wilson at fourteen to one, and then you got Lamar at twenty to one, Kyler twenty to one, Jalen Hurts twenty five to one, Derek Carr twenty five to one. Anything stick out to you on there? Derek Carr at twenty five to one with Devontae Adams. He puts up a lot of numbers that people don't even give him the love he deserves just based on numbers. Yeah. Without that talent, they kept their core group. Uh, Walker's a beast of a tight end, and now they add in Devonte. That that to me screams the only way—not the only way—the Raiders' defense has actually stepped up a little bit, but the the mo- the most likely way they win is out firing people. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I, I'm interested to know what his odds were before that Devonte Adams deal. Yeah, probably at least. 30 or 40 to 1 because I know Jalen Hurts was 40 to 1 and now he's like one of the most popular bet MVP uh, uh, bets just because they got you know AJ Brown and you know the Eagles are now getting a little more hype around them and he's you know he's got the Russian TD and Russian yards upside and if he develops as a passer it's a bet that's logical to me so I'm going to look into the camera right now and I'm telling you I'm placing four thousand dollars on Jalen Hurts at twenty-five to one odds because I want that hundred grand, four grand to win a hundred grand. Jalen Hurts is gonna win MVP this season in the NFL. He's got the rushing upside. He's gonna get touchdowns on the ground. He's gonna be throwing up jump balls to AJ Brown. He's gonna get the screen passes. That offense is gonna be clicking on all cylinders. Give me Jalen Hurts to win the MVP. My man, allegiant, <laughs> allegiant. Loyal to the soil. What what I will say is it's a tough division to win the MVP in. It's a tough defensive division. Um, what? I just I just feel like Washington battles. Uh, I feel like you guys have the outside weather. I don't know. It just does. I, I can't. Maybe maybe my memory is failing me. I can't remember the last time someone in the NFC East won MVP. And and I got a question for all the listeners too. When's the last time a non-quarterback? One MVP. I think it was Adrian Peterson, twenty twelve. Oh, that recent. Okay, so I'm guessing. Ten years. I'm guessing that. That was 20, 2013, He won MVP. Okay, so yeah. nine years ago. Look, if I had to pick a MVP of the league right now, that's a non quarterback. I would one hundred percent take uh, Jonathan Taylor. I think that he's going to be just a workhorse of a back this season for the Colts. Um, and I think, you know, if Matt Ryan's going to be successful in that offense, it's because they're pounding the rock and then go and play action. Um, so I do think that Jonathan Taylor has tremendous upside. I mean, I would 100% take him number one overall in fantasy football. You know, I would take Without him a doubt. over McCaffrey, over Derrick Henry. And I, I'm a huge Derrick Henry fan, but I just think JT has less downside than those two. You know, I don't see him. He's not a guy that has that injury history like, like those two do. And, you know, because McCaffrey and Derrick Henry – they have tremendous upside, but I just think Jonathan Taylor. And speaking local, I mean, we're South Florida guys now. We gotta mm-hmm. we gotta adopt our team, our local team, just a little bit. Yeah. Are you buying or selling uh, Tua, Tua and Cheetah? Yeah. So two is fifty to one right now to win the MVP. I meant more. Are you buying and selling the combo? Not. I don't. Not the yeah, MVP. Yeah. I, I, he doesn't have that. Yeah. I would I eat my words if he if he gets MVP. I'll bow down. I don't. I don't well, see yeah. No, I agree. But I think so. With Tua compared to Jalen, like I think 
Tua has to do less. Like, I think the Dolphins lean on their defense. Mm-hmm. Um, that he can get these quick little passes out. And, uh, and they have, he has good – I mean, I would say both teams at this point have good talent around them. Um, but with Tua – I mean, I watched I watched Tua for, for two years in Tuscaloosa. I watched him get subbed in the game uh, for the Crimson Tide when Jalen Hurts got benched. And I watched him throw the, the touchdown pass. And I don't know. I, honestly, honest to God, I don't I, – I think he could be tremendous in the NFL or I think he could be a total bust. And okay. I'm not really sure. The one thing I will say is – I don't think he has the athleticism um, that that some of these smaller QBs do, like a Russell Wilson or like Jalen Hurts. Is like pound for pound the strongest QB in the league. Like <laughs> I know I'm biased there, but like I have to take his mic away if I hear that. No, no. In, in all seriousness, though, if you think about it, like Tua, he's got some that. decent arm talent, but like he has to be super accurate. Like he's he's got to be like Drew Brees. Like Drew Brees is an anomaly. So you don't I'm see hearing, these six foot selling. You're selling this trade. You're selling the new Miami Dolphins. I'm not selling. I just don't think. I'm. I guess I'm. I'm on the fence about Tua long term. I think the Dolphins could make some noise. 100. percent I think that they can get a wild card. I don't think they're going to beat out the Bills. And who the hell knows what New England's going to be? Yep. But I, I don't know. To be honest with you, I think. It, I, I think it's. They're going to be New England. They're going to compete. They're going to put yeah. out a winning football. You know, a winning record. And yeah. They're going to be there at the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, I met I met Tua and I met Jalen Hurts both when I lived in Tuscaloosa. So I'll tell you a quick story. So I owned a Philly cheesesteak shop in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And Jalen Hurts one day, I'm sitting on my laptop in my shop, like crunching some numbers. My employees are like serving beers, making food. I look over to my shoulder to the right. And I was like, that's Jalen Hurts. And he walks into my restaurant, right? And so he goes up to the cash register. And he's in there for the first time. So he's looking at the menu. And I didn't know what to do. Like, should I get up? Should I just let him be? Let him order? I decided to let him order first. He's looking at the menu, browsing through, right? He asks our cashier, he says, do you guys have lettuce for your cheesesteaks? <laughs> <laughs> no joke, right? We didn't have lettuce. We were, we were out of oh, lettuce or lettuce? Whatever, the case, whatever the case was, right? I don't okay, know. This okay. was like three, four years ago. We didn't have lettuce. I swear to God, once the cashier told him we didn't have lettuce... Within five seconds, he walked out. And next thing you know, he's in his car and he left. Oh, and I was like, Jalen literally walked out because he didn't have lettuce. Like, maybe he's just that, he has that type of discipline, right? Like, he needed some vegetables oh, or some lettuce or something on a sandwich. I was just like, it didn't make any sense to me, but it, it was just, it was, it was something I'll never forget. It was hilarious. And then I met Tua at Best Buy. My catering manager I hired introduced me to him. Uh, and he was a super nice. I mean, they're both very, very nice guys. Like, yeah. very, very nice individuals. Um, and I, again, I wish both of them. I hope both of them have good careers or great careers in the NFL, especially Jalen, obviously. <laughs> Can I sneak in a story? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. So I'm from San Francisco. Uh, during it was, I think it was the first World Series run. I'm pretty sure it was the first World Series run. If not, it was the second. Um, I'm at a local bar, and I'm drinking. I'm single. I hope my wife never hears this. So buying shots. We were. Jaeger bombs were a big deal at that time. And this is going to sound gross, but we used to do Giants bombs. Orange soda and Jaeger. So they were black and orange. (laughs) They're disgusting. So I'm getting drunk. I think I like fake called in sick to work. And I'm at a bar in the middle of the day watching games on one of those series runs. And it was an off day. And I go into the bathroom. And I'm, I'm peeing. And I'm pretty drunk. We're with a bunch of chicks trying to be cool guys buying bar tabs, you know. And pat, pat the bat walks in and he's like oh, i'm like oh my bad dude i meant to lock the door and he's like it's okay man 
I got a small D too. And I, <laughs> the difference was though, I'm sitting there with my D out. <laughs> His ain't out. Wow. And then literally Aubrey Huff walks in, clowning on both of us for being in the bathroom, me peeing and dude watching. So that's my that's my Giants baseball in San Francisco story. And these guys then after we came out, and we were, you know, again, I'm not trying to brag, but it's the truth. We're, we're single at the time. We're with a bunch of chicks. And they came over and they're like, let us buy a tab. This guy has a small D. And they're like, we're just playing. <laughs> I thought it was so funny. Wow. And I told that story a hundred times in my, I was probably, God, I can't imagine it anymore. I think I was 25, something oh like that. Oh, my God. But uh, he probably said this guy has a small D like 20 times and I was dying laughing. <laughs> San Francisco baseball. Yeah. All right, next topic. Defensive player of the year odds in the NFL this season. Miles Garrett right now is the favorite at 6-1. to one. We got TJ Watt at plus 650. Aaron Donald at plus 800. Micah Parsons at nine plus 900. And then we got Nick Bosa at 12, plus 1200. With his brother, Joey Bosa, sitting at 20-1. to one. And then we got Khalil Mack and Chase Young at 25-1. to one. Is there any number that's, or player that sticks out to you here? Man, it's a tough one. Uh, if I'm looking just on value, Micah Parsons stands out to me. You know, I agree with that, and I hate to say it as an Eagles fan. Oh. To me, the two numbers that stick out: Aaron Donald at eight to one, and Micah Parsons at nine to one. Um, I don't know if Miles Garrett. It's tough because. These dominant players just get double teamed, and then it's like, oh, how much impact can they have when it comes to statistics because of it? But like Micah Parsons, you know, he can be, he he's legit. You know, he really is. So I think he has a shot at it. I think that uh, Aaron Donald, I know you think he's going to have a hangover, but I don't know. I just, I, you see his workout videos on Instagram? He works out harder than anyone in the league. Absolutely insane. you got to have some sort of a hangover, I, I think. Just, just yeah. accomplishing everything you've ever wanted. So it's possible, but yeah, I would roll with either of those two just based on the number. I think TJ Watt. Not to you at all. Twenty-five to one. I don't know. Do you think he's a little past his prime? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, it's it's basically Darius Leonard thirty to one. It's basically does he does he you know have? I don't want to say one last run. That sounds it sounds like his career is over. It's not. Yeah. Um. And I, I love I love the energy on Max Crosby. Dude, my barrier friends would be like, dude, you're showing the Raiders too much love. Yeah. Uh, that would just be a fun one. I think he's a fun player to watch. He has a good story too. Um, I forget which, what kind of addiction or something he had, but it's some sort of abuse and bounce back comeback story. Yeah. Both him and the tight end. So, uh, yeah, that's such a tough one, dude. It's like you said, it's so situational. It, it depends on other people on your team stepping up so you no longer can get double teams so you can get your fair shake. 100%. That's a tough one. There's some, definitely some luck involved on this. Next topic is NFL underdogs. So, as you know, this is one of my favorite topics out there. So, I'm going to give a quick recap to the audience here. NFL underdogs last season, if you, took, if you put one unit on every single underdog to win the game outright for all of 2000, what was it, 21-22 season... Yep. You're up over 22 units, right? So, and real quick before you go on, there's always someone out there. Don't let it be you that <laughs> names like the five long shot games that couldn't have happened. That's not how it works when you do macro systems. There yeah. is always those one offs, and that's the point of the system. Yeah, and that happened more on March Madness than anything. The St. <laughs> Peter's, everyone was like, oh, St. Peter's didn't win, and you would have lost. Like, no year. shit. Yeah. 
But this season, this NFL season, I have a theory. My theory is sports betting is so big at this point. It's so mainstream and it's so popular. It's legal in the majority of the states at, at this point, right? My theory is there are going to be more square betters than ever taking high-powered offenses like the Chiefs and the Bucks and the Bills to cover the spread or on the money line. Think about it. They're going to have the Chiefs at minus 300 in a, in a parlay and the Bills to cover the spread in a parlay. And I think there's going to be more value than ever on underdog money lines because of this going into this season. My prediction is this year, if you put one unit on every NFL underdog money line to win the game outright, I believe I'm going to be up 40 units this season. It was up 22 units last year. I think it's going to be that significant of a jump, and I'm testing it this year. I'm going <laughs> – I don't know if Gina's doing this with me or not, so I'm going to say I'm going $500 on every I, NFL underdog. If Gina wants to join me, I made a we're going in Vegas. Up. I made the mistake in Vegas. Maddie went up to the window every day with 100 bucks and bet every dog flat out. And I was the degen sitting there picking those three team parlays, throwing in two dogs and a favorite. So I, I don't, I don't want to say I am and lie to everyone. I, I, it's gonna be very hard for me to not. See, here, here's my theory. Right, last season, week one was like the one of the biggest weeks for NFL underdogs cash It wasn't the biggest, but it was up there, right? Yeah. So my theory is, how many games are there in a week? Week one, there's no buys. So what, what's that? Sixteen games. Yeah. So. Let's say, for example, I put up eight grand. Gino puts up eight grand. We have sixteen grand oh. as a bankroll. Now, obviously, if we have a losing first week, we might have to revamp the bankroll. Yeah. But let's let's say that history repeats itself, and last year and this year is the same as last year or similar. If I put up eight grand and Gino puts up eight grand, we have a sixteen thousand dollar call it a bankroll if you want, right? And we put a thousand dollars on every NFL underdog money line. Let's say we hit 30% of them or 35% of them. We're going to be up significantly. And we can ride that momentum going into each week. And as long as we don't have a really, really poor week, we can ride that momentum the entire season. And I, I hate to be a self-cheerleader here. I want to run your same numbers on Bet Openly. So I, I want to run your same numbers on Bet Openly. So, yeah, you yeah. might already be at your 40 units. Uh, I, I think it would be. And here's the thing. As long, here's my theory, is we can put the, those bets in on bet openly early in the week, and if they don't get fulfilled, then we just put no. them into the sports books. But the name of this game is going to be finding the best price, whether it's on bet openly or any single sports book. Right. Obviously, bet openly is always going to have the best number. It's just a matter if it gets fulfilled or not. And the ones that don't get fulfilled, we just you know we, we just line shop and figure out where the best odds are per sports book. Here's the other thing strategy-wise we have to discuss, because when you're betting favorites in the NFL – I think you got to bet them early in the week, right? If you're betting underdogs, I think you have to wait as close as possible to the closing line, right? Generally speaking. Yeah, I was I was gonna say that theory should macro work where you get more value up closer to the kickoff. Yeah. You can shop them early in the week on bet openly and then play some last minute because especially in primetime games, you know, yeah. out of ten, seven out of ten, you're gonna gain value and it would make up for the time you lose value. Yeah. Unless it's like a super popular trendy underdog, then I think that might be against that theory. Yeah. But I know like UFC, for example, if you take a favorite four weeks before a fight, it is fucking drastic. You might get someone at minus two hundred and by the time they fight they're minus three fifty. Yeah, yeah. In the UFC. And that happens all the time. And that's the thing about UFC handicapping is nobody 
99% of people don't have the discipline or money set aside. Like, and I get it. Like, you, who wants to tie up money for four weeks? No, no. And Everyone hates doing that. Of course. You know, but that's the benefit of doing it is you're getting a, a much better price point and much better value. Let, let, let's, let me, so we, we heard Maddie's now. Let me give you my theory and we'll see which one. Hopefully they both do so well that we're laughing and, and arguing about who's better. I absolutely think your system will pay. What I think is going to pay slightly more is it takes a little more discipline and a little more knowledge, but not much, is the, the buy low, sell high. And what do I mean by that? Find a team that lost the week before playing a team, excuse me, lost and didn't cover, playing a team that won and did cover. And you take, you essentially, like a stock, the public with all the new squares coming in, that team lost last week and they didn't cover. Let's say they got smoked. Everyone's low on them, and they're up against a team that just won and covered. I think you would find more value. Again, macro system, but it's not every game of the week. That only happens a couple pairings every week. takes a little more work, but we'll do it, and we'll see. I think with all the square betters, the most value you're going to find every week, in addition to the underdogs, is the underdogs that got smoked last week playing someone that did the smoking. I think that system hit in like the low 60s last year. And it's like yeah, and that's a really good number. Now, let me ask you this. What if we did a hybrid and said, hey, every team that lost last week that is now plus money on the money line, we now bet that number. I would love to test that system. I think we should test. I think we should do my system and that hybrid. and Or maybe this. Maybe do it this way. We just take every NFL underdog money line, but if that underdog lost last week, we put an additional half unit on them or something. I get it. And I'm pretty new to Twitter, but I have been playing with it. It's tough. I won't. It's gonna be hard to do with baseball. I'll probably do the Sunday night game or something prime time. I really like that hybrid system. Now that now that you brought that up, I think yeah, that's, yeah. I think that's a, a winner. I've been trying to survey people and just see does the public naturally steer themselves toward more losers than winners? Yeah. My, my Twitter uh, reach is too small to actually get good reads on it, but I, I want to get up to like getting like a couple hundred votes on a game a day. Yeah. And just tracking public perception. Yeah. No, I totally agree. All right. Well, to be clear, I'm doing this for the for this NFL season. I'm putting a thousand dollars on every single NFL underdog money line for the whole year. My prediction is I'm up forty thousand in net profit by the end of the season, and that includes playoffs and Super Bowl. The question is, will you stick with it? Yes. I feel like the the most unless I get over sixteen on the first week. <laughs> no, what, what I've seen going back to St. Peter's. Yeah. People that try and do these systems try and mitigate losses, and they skip one or two games uh, a no, week, and no. they end up missing well, see, the biggest sh- winners. You should know more than anyone that I won't do that because I even asked myself. I was like, I shouldn't even take these 16 seeds. I know they're going to lose. I still did it out of principle. Yeah. I've lost, what, $400 on that out of principle because it wasn't even out of principle. It was out of, like, FOMO, right? I was yeah. like, if I literally... After I said I was going to take every underdog money line in March Madness, if I sit here and I don't take the number 16 seeds and one of them hits, I'm going to be livid with myself. So I was like, it's 400 bucks. It is what it is. None of them hit. But the two, I think. Uh, we made that on the blackjack table in 15 minutes. That's the, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, at the end of the day, that was more of a fun marketing yeah, campaign. The yeah. NFL season, though, $1,000 is real money. If I'm putting that on every underdog, yeah, yeah. like, again, I wouldn't be doing this. There's two reasons I'm doing this. One, I think it's going to be fun as hell and entertaining and great for marketing. And two, I legitimately think it's going to be profitable. It was last year. And the NFL, the amount of square and public money that's coming in this season 
compared to last year and the year before and the year before that. And what do we know about all that money? People love favorites. And let me add one thing here too, just for anyone that wants to mirror this and maybe doesn't have a thousand dollars times sixteen. Um, I'm gonna try and talk in units for a second. You shouldn't really go over twenty-five units, whatever that is. This is people are gonna be like, "Is Gino saying this shit?" This is gambling, but max you should be talking about twenty-five percent of your bankroll because you need to get the system at least. You need to be able to ride out four weeks. If you you can't if if two bad weeks wipes you out, that's just flat out gambling. So what's what what should the unit size be? If you're betting on sixteen underdogs, is it a quarter unit? I would say... Because that's only four units over the course yeah. of an entire NFL week. That's not that bad. If you're going to blindly bet it, I would I would say you can go as high as half a unit. Yeah, I was going to say... If you half a unit, that's not too bad. Yeah. Because if you get absolutely wiped out, that's only eight units. Yeah, yeah, 100%. But, and if you really want to gamble, I'd say a unit each underdog. But then, you know, that... Again, people are thinking... Don't think, well, damn, I could lose 64 units. No, the underdogs ain't going on 64 in the first four weeks. So oh, no. I, I would say a half unit to one unit is the sweet spot. So yeah. for anyone out there, just one unit just means 1% of the total amount you could lose before you got to quit. That's yeah. all. I'm just trying to get people relative. And think of it this way. All it takes is one big underdog to cash, and you're, like, close to even on the day. I just don't want my man Matty here <laughs> hitting open on the Tropical Smoothie Register to make it to three or four weeks. That's what I'm trying to avoid. Yeah. I'm trying to avoid that. He said, son, I made my life. I'm reading people's faces and knowing what the cards were by the way they hit their eyes. So if you don't mind saying, I can see you're out of aces for a taste of your whiskey. I'll give you some advice. So I didn't help my father And he drank down my lead swallow And he bummed a cigarette And screamed for the light And the night got really quiet And his face lost all expression Said if you're gonna play the game, boy You gotta learn to play it right You got to open the hold up Go in the fold up Go in the walk away Go in the rut You never count your money When you're sitting at the table There'll be time enough to count And the demons No. 
when to fold up, know when to walk away, know when to run. You never count your money. When you're sitting at the table, there'll be time enough for counting. When the dealing's done, you got to know when to fold up. 